2: Tell us, Troy, Who are your heroes? That's easy. You know, the legends, the people that paved the way, that came before me. You know, we're talking about Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard. If I had to choose anyone, I guess it'd be George Jones. Captain recording artist, Troy Brooks. It's good. Let's go again. Why would we go again? That was good. That, one's, that was the best one. You're just warming up. You
1: have the number one record in America right now. I'm Troy Brooks. Oh my God. You are staying with the time so much that you've become timeless.
2: God. He smiled down on me. You
1: know, we're all just really glad to have you home for a while. Dear Troy, I would like to invite you to Nashville next weekend if you're free. I'm taking a very extended vacation soon, and it would be an honor if I could meet you before I go. Best, George Jones.
2: Mr. Jones. It's not over for you. It's not over for anyone until it's over. And it ain't over yet.
0: This is an old man that's washed up. He's trying to get what you got.
1: There's true things that are terrible. And there are terrible things that are true. You a musician? Hell, Troy, it's Nashville. Everybody down here is a musician. Been singing all my life, but ain't nobody found me yet. It's a damn beautiful world, though. It doesn't matter if you are number one. Or number one million in one. You can hear it in his
2: songs, but coming face to face with him, that's when you really realize that he's in pain. Hey, George.
0: Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking to Mickey Reese. He is the director, writer, and star of the recent film Country Gold. When it was proposed that I speak to the director of a surreal comic and musical film, I said, sure, let's do it up. The film should be available for you now to rent or purchase on your favorite streaming platform. Hope you enjoy the movie, and I hope you enjoy the interview. You are a very prolific guy. Actually, I didn't realize that I had a, one of your movies on my watch list forever. I've been trying to find Strike, Dear Mistress, and Cure His Heart since I came out in 2018.
2: Yeah, it's on Alamo On Demand. All right, great. I will definitely check that out. I really like that one. That was an early one before we started working with crews and making, quote-unquote, real movies. So it still has that very low-budget aesthetic or low micro but no budget let's say no budget
0: you're from oklahoma is that right i never realized that they had such a film scene out there until i went to kansas and attended film festivals out there
2: well, we've got the tax rebate we got a pretty big tax rebate here it's like new mexico or atlanta like in that vein i mean we let's see we got killings of the flower moon here we did that and uh, like tulsa King, we got reservation dogs so yeah we've got some cool stuff it's coming up
0: so how about you where do you fit into this whole scene now and you talked about working with real crews. How long has that been going on?
2: The first time I worked with a like full crew, where we had heads on in every department, was "Climate of the Hunter." So that was the the movie directly after "Strike Your Mistress." So we've done "Climate of the Hunter" and "Agnes" and now "Country Gold." I say full guys I mean, you know, like having ten people. It's not like we're not working with fifty people or anything in
0: the crew. That would be wild. Do I have a crane and a dolly and all that kind of stuff yet?
2: Yeah, we've got we got little tracks we use, but that's about the furthest extent.
0: Talk to me about Country Gold. Where did the idea for this one come from? Before
2: the movie, before Strike Your Mistress was called Alien. It's like reimagining him, but Elvis Presley, Elvis and Priscilla's kind of like tumultuous marriage, and it was mostly interested just capturing the kind of the like the American iconography of Elvis and just how in a black and white setting of just. Because essentially you put anybody in an Elvis costume and everybody's going to go, that's Elvis. Do you know what I mean? So this one was the same situation. It was like you know, we want to make another movie like that. This this alternate history situation, like going off like who, who could it be? Who could be the next one? We're still trying to figure that out now. Because I'm trying to make three of them. I'm trying to make a trilogy out of it. When Dars Brooks was said, it was like that's perfect because he's always he's got that album where he wears the white and black and and the black cowboy hat. And it's just you look at that album and you're like ask Garth Brooks anybody could play Garth Brooks because he's got the clearly it's Garth Brooks he's got the shirt and the hat on filming in uh, black and white gives you a license to just where every image can look iconic more like finding the character like the character is Garth Brooks it's not necessarily have to have anything to do with the real Garth Brooks but this is the character the look of Garth Brooks and then we're putting him into a an iconic 70s movie or something like that like he's a star
0: where did you find your main actor?
2: Ben Hall, the guy who played George Shows. So he's in *Climate of the Hunter* and *Agnes*, and we've been working together for a bit now. We've made, I guess, four movies together, and he's just fantastic. And just <laughs> basically, like, he's the secret weapon. He's the secret sauce, and all of it. Although it's not much of a secret. Just all right. So this movie, who's Ben Hall going to play? That's how it's
0: been. And your other main character, he's the one who looks. Very familiar to me. You're
2: talking about the, the guy playing Troy Brooks? Yeah, well, that's me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't was not. I didn't sign up to play the role. That was not my intention necessarily. The gentleman I wanted to play the role was like didn't really work out on the uh, timing. Wasn't necessarily on our side for him, and so I, I was like, I can look like Garth. Is it really intention? Was like, I needed to character needed to be smaller than Ben Hall. He needed to be smaller than George Jones in this. And Ben Hall, is not, he's not a huge guy. So we, could, we couldn't could have uh, Garth being huge and tall and then Ben Hall being that. So it was like, all right, I'll go ahead and take the reins. I'll do it. I can put a cowboy hat on and a Garth's shirt. Like I said, anybody can and look like Garth Brooks. So it was like, all right, let's do that. And then I just played it like I thought Mason, Bick, the gentleman that I originally wanted, would have played it. Which is he's got this kind of like very cocky, like this kind of insecure, like Roboto, like this kind of uh, confidence that can easily be broken down and easily be turned into someone humble. And so I was trying to channel that. I'm not really an actor, but I've always thought most times you just need someone that can talk in front of the camera and then the script can lead them there in the, in that way. And so that was what I was going with just like, all right, I don't need to be the standout or anything. I just need to move the picture because Ben Hall, he's the actor. He's the one who needs to shine. I just need to be there to feed him his lines. So that's how I took that approach.
0: So how did the project come together?
2: I talked to some local financiers. I talked to some people with money. We didn't uh, too much money, but I talked to some friends and some people that have uh, put in for and before. We got the funding together and then it was like, all right, team, we're going to make this split the difference between climate and Agnes as far as budget goes and whip for it. Honestly, now like preparing another movie, you asking that question, I am like, I don't even know or remember. It was a whirlwind, the whole thing. Just like we started saying, all right, we're gonna make this movie, and then we went through all the motions and then eventually we're on set. It's hard to like imagine all of the things we went through, but I about to go through it again. So I bet you I could answer this question better in a couple months. And then I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember all the things we had to do.
0: Well, you've made so many movies. I'm surprised that you don't have it down to a science now.
2: Well, every movie's different because uh, if if I was making the same movie every time, it might be easier. But whenever you're getting interest from the uh, from more from the horror world and from the genre world, and having some of your money coming from that, and then you announce that you want to make a black and white comedy about some country singers, the well dries up real quick. So you got to start from square one.
0: Tell me about your cinematographer, because the movie looks fantastic.
2: That's Sam Calvin. and is a godsend. We first worked together on a movie called Arrows, Arrows of Outrageous Fortune. And it was this mumblecore movie, but basically we shot it like we're in the vein of like, all right, we're not going to use any lights. There's no lights in this movie. And it was me warming up to using a cinematographer, especially one who was experienced like Sam, because I was just like, I don't want to go into a big project and be not know what the hell I'm doing as far as directing and cinematographer, but it turns out you don't really have to when they're good. Then he shot climate and he shot Agnes and this is our fourth thing to do together. And yeah, he's just, he's a local cinematographer here cinematographer here in Oklahoma and he is great. And we just like really see eye to eye and have a lot of the same similar interests and kind of the same favorite movies, February of 2021.
0: We had yet to get the vaccine or anything. You're still mid pandemic.
2: Still right in the heart of COVID, yeah. Oh man,
0: how did that affect you?
2: It was just annoying. Just having to wear masks is annoying when you're like trying to make a movie, especially when you're an actor and having the mask on and like, all right, take it off, now it's time to shoot and did a short kind of roll on a reservation dogs, which is a much bigger set. And that was during COVID and just couldn't imagine. It just seems so much worse to have a crew that size and everybody's got to abide by these COVID rules. Obviously, we did all the COVID stuff, and yeah, I think that's the only thing. It's just I'm not saying it's unnecessary. It was certainly necessary at the time. No one wanted to get COVID, but it was just like, eh, this would be better if we didn't have to do this. Especially having shot your entire life without it, and now it's, the masks are annoying. Big deal. Small price to pay. No one got. COVID, so that's good.
0: You're putting together all your pre-prod while you're in the pandemic as well.
2: Yeah the pain in the ass i hope we don't have to do it again i don't i'm not sure what the rules are now because have, we haven't charted movies since then but i'm not sure what the sag rules are if you're supposed to continue wearing masks or not but and hopefully not I'd like to just get back to making movies the way i'm used to there's a challenge every day but they're usually small challenges you know, especially with this one this i had a blast on this one i think everybody had a really good time on this one the morale was always pretty high because and also just God, making a comedy is just so much more fun. It's just so much easier for everybody to stay in a good mood when you're making something funny.
0: The way that you bring the comedy out in so many different ways, like the first time you had a segment where you introduce animation, I'm like, okay, I didn't really see this coming, but this works.
2: The trick is for me is just to, to not write jokes. There's no jokes written. It's just like the... The scenario, the situations we're creating are so absurd that it's it's easy to mine comedy from. So I think writing jokes is where I think I'd be terrible at. But I I think even watching movies, I'm just like f. I don't like it when they write jokes because, especially when they're not funny, because then it's just forced. And so I try not to have any jokes written in there. So like when you're reading it, you're thinking you're reading a drama, and then you get there and on the day and everything's so ridiculous, it's like oh
0: see how this could be funny as soon as those little kids start talking with the slowed down voices i'm like okay yeah this really works for me
2: yeah but but there's no jokes written
0: no (laughs) (laughs) they're just saying the most normal shit you can say you've got another co-writer credited on this john selfage can you tell me a little bit about him
2: yeah john selfage and i we've written a lot of movies together uh, and we've written the last three for sure he uh, co-wrote Climb to the Hunter with me and Ag. And this one, we've actually written like three other scripts since then, and they're just like making their way around development hell. But yeah, he's just great. He just knows how to add like the layers that I need that I wouldn't be able to add otherwise. You know what I mean? It's like like I'm the silly one that'll be like, hey, let's do all this crazy stuff, and he'll ground it for me. So it's a really good partnership. But also, he's educated, and I'm not any that.
0: Uh, so why George Jones of all country legends?
2: We are trying to think of who the other person could be that Garth is embarking on this mission with. And it's George Jones, for me, was the kind of the one that I didn't hear about as much. Like, he wasn't as crazy as Merle Haggard or Waylon Jennings or Johnny Cash, but also they didn't seem as... I feel like George Jones is important to country music artists. Do you know what I mean? It seems like he's the kind of guy that Garth would... Look up to in fact, I do think we found an interview where he that was very similar to the one in the movie where he does mention George Jones being a hero of his, but it just didn't have as much weight on it as this does but yeah, he just seemed like the guy that's like that that country artists are really really admire. I thought it'd be fitting, but also like he doesn't have as far as I know, he doesn't have the personality that like you know especially not his music. Isn't have the same personality that like Waylon Jennings does, or Johnny Cash does, or something? To where those are those per- personalities are so specific that you can't create an alternate character for.
0: And then you've got Michael Shannon out there, basically doing your legwork and prepping the audience for "Here's Who George Jones Is."
2: Yeah, and I have not seen that show yet, and but I'm sure it's fantastic. But that one is probably, I would imagine, closer to the real thing than
0: ours. <laughs> so I know the. Film has played a few festivals now. What's the next step for it?
2: So it's doing the theaters right now. I think we did, we're, oh, 2022, 20, 22 cities, I believe, something like that. We did San Francisco, Chicago, and Denver last night. Tonight, I'm actually doing Oklahoma City, and I'm very excited about that. And doing Tulsa tomorrow, and then Dallas Sunday, and then it's doing a bunch of other dates, one in Hawaii on Sunday, too. So then on Tuesday, April fourth, it comes out for streaming.
0: We're all to see. And then you said you're already working on the next one.
2: Working on the next one, yeah. It's called The Cool Tenor. It's about a a retired widow weds an unstable jazz enthusiast who becomes obsessed with avenging the widow's late husband's death. It's a revenge thriller with little drama, a lot of comedy,
0: and a love story, and a little bit of sci-fi. Mickey, thank you so much for your time. This was great talking with you. They thank you, Mike, and I look forward to seeing the next one and I look forward now to going back and checking out Strikter Mister Secure's art.
2: Oh, I love you too.
0: All right, we'll do.
1: The sun went down And then you'd fill him a jug And he'd pass it around Mighty, mighty pleasing Pappy's corn squeezing What a lightning Well, the G-men, team man team and Revenue is too Searching for a place Where he made his brew They were looking, trying to book him But my papa kept on cooking <laughs> What a lightning of mountain dew. I took a little sip and right away I knew that my eyes bulged out and my face turned blue. Lightning started flashing, thunder started flashing. White well, lightning. Well, the g men T-Man, revenue is too. Searching for a place where it made his proof They were looking, trying to book him, but my pad kept on toking. One well, And as he hit the ground, mighty mighty pleasing your pappy's corns pleased. The G-men, T-men, were near us too, searching for a place where it made be move. They were looking, trying to look him, but my pappy kept on cooking. Whish. White